0: Dragon the Peg is recorded on Treaty 1 territory, the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, the Cree, the Oji Cree, the Dakota, and the Dene peoples, and on the homeland of the Metis Nation. Welcome to Dragon the Peg, a podcast series exploring the lives and careers of drag performers living in Winnipeg, Canada. My name is Graham Husson, and I'll be your host. Today's guest is one of the funniest, most outspoken, and most candid guests I've ever had on Dragon the Peg. She's always been 100% honest and never runs out of insight or funny things to say, which made her a perfect guest for this season. After serving as Duchess 19 last year for the Imperial and Sovereign Court of Winnipeg and all of Manitoba, she's continued to bring her signature brand of unabashed sexuality to the local stage. So without further ado, please help me welcome a horror of Lady Frances, Slaytana De Slute.
1: I'm Kevin Tan, or as most people know me,
0: Slaytana. Um, my full drag name is Slaytana DeSloot. For the longest time, I just knew you as Slaytana. hmm And then recently you tacked on this little uh, this little St- surname. Yeah. <laughs> I heard that Prairie Sky wanted me
1: to have a last name. Why? I think it's for the purpose of if you ever want to pass down your lineage. Oh. Um, just like a bio family. Yeah. You want to pass on your genes and your traits and then you have their last name for whatever colonized reason that is. <laughs> and biological, of course. I was like, hey, why not I have DeSloot? Because I'm such a big slut. And that's my brand. And that's what I try to sell myself on. Because, you know, sex does sell. Yeah, and branding is important. Um, It is, especially in Western society. You do see in everyday life in mass media, you see images, you see logos, pictures, and just things that represent and define people
0: because we're a society that's so obsessed with labels. And brands. We're always being sold something. Yes, we are. Which takes me into a question, um, kind of unrelated from drag, Mm -hmm. but you and I are both communications professionals. I'm not necessarily a professional in regards to getting paid,
1: <laughs> but I do like communicating. I think it's very important in life. Mm-hmm. And I am a Gemini. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you're always talking to yourself. Your one face is a...
1: Yeah, well, I was talking to myself today because I was home alone. So I thought it'd be really fun to reflect outwardly <laughs> as mm-hmm. opposed to just in my mind. Mm-hmm. But yeah, communication is definitely important. Am I gonna be professional in that field one day? Who knows.
0: Mm-hmm. I can't see into the future. I'm not Raven Baxter. I wish you were. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you worked in a professional, co- or you worked in a communications capacity before, correct?
1: Uh, I have. Yeah, I've volunteered with Pride uh, as a social media coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a short stint, and that's what I wanted to do when I was trying to find my place in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was going to school. And
0: now, am I in it? No. What am I doing with my life? <laughs> I don't know. Being superstar icon, Satana De Sluut. So my question is, it's not very often that I run into other communications people or people who have experience communicating mm-hmm. on a professional level in the drag scene besides Ruby chopsticks. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's a lot more interesting and morally complicated than some people take for granted for. Mm-hmm. Especially when you are communicating with a marginalized audience like drag in the peg, mm-hmm. like pride, mm-hmm. like RRC, stuff like that. Yeah, Because there's a, there's a component of communications where you're not just providing goods and services to people, whether or not they need them. You were also trying to influence people. Mm -hmm. I wanna know, do you have any hard thoughts about kind of like the morals and stuff about communicating with a group of marginalized people such as queer folk? Cause that's something that I wrestle with all the time. Mm
1: -hmm. I think the most important thing to come to terms with when you are communicating with a marginalized group is be fully aware of who you are, Mm -hmm. where you've come from, where you've been, and how you can relay that message to other people. Mm -hmm. Just because a lot of people don't recognize their own privileges, Mm -hmm. um, they're completely blinded to the fact that, like, oh, wow, yes, I am a queer person, but I am white-presenting. I am a cis male. uh, Like, for an example, like, I'm not white, I'm Asian. (laughs) Yeah, you just have to recognize like where you stand and how you, your influence affects other people just because in this queer community itself, I think a lot of people fail to recognize that there is a patriarchy with it. So a lot of the cis gay white men don't realize they have a lot of power mm-hmm. in what goes on in our communities. And you see a lot of boards, you see a lot of people who are big names, they're still white, they're still male, mm-hmm. they're still... They're still like their straight counterparts. Yeah, and the only thing that they have to fight for is gay marriage, and that's about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely requires an intersectional lens, I think, especially when you're dealing with that because there's so many different, like, it the, the our queer community doesn't just stop at queer. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot of other components. There's
1: gender. There's gender identity. There's sexual identity. There's
0: Racial There's, identity. Yes,
1: racial identity, what you eat in the morning, um, what area you live in, socioeconomic status. There's a lot of things that people need to come to realize when it comes to who you are as an individual in the society. Mm-hmm. What you have, what you don't have, and how you can use the things that you have to give to other people who don't have it.
0: Yeah, and influence for the better. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, thank you for indulging me on that little tangent. (laughs) I just like to talk communications. Yeah. And, you know, that's
1: why my name is Kevin Tangent.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. Dad jokes. (laughs) So I think that your story, like many other queen stories, but yours specifically, needs to kind of begin before you started your drag journey. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about your life before you started doing drag.
1: So before Slaytana... I think my life was pretty much still the same, except I was involved with um, a different group of friends. Mm-hmm. I was in a different field of work. I was younger, thinner, probably more good-looking, had more um, a more zest for life, uh, until I got um, involved with drugs. Mm-hmm. And I'm naturally a curious person. I tell myself try everything twice because you never know if you actually really like it Mm -hmm. so for me personally if I want to try something I go for it because what's there to lose my life (laughs) Um, and eventually when you do it more than twice and you get lost in it I lost my sense of self I lost my sense of identity I lost everything I lost my job I lost some friends, and I almost lost my life too. <laughs> and um, and then after an attempt, and I like woke up, it was like, okay, another day, another sleigh, let's go for it. Um, so one day uh, I was in communications with uh, Prairie Sky. I asked her if she needed, a, if she wanted or needed a new drag baby, and she said, always. Hmm. So that same day, a few hours later, I get a, a ping on Grindr, because yeah. <laughs> that's how we were talking on Grindr, and uh, prayer already exposed that about me <laughs> 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 on her episode. Uh, she asked if I wanted to premiere and have my debut as a drag queen on CBC. Of course, I was very like, holy fuck. Like, that's big Mm -hmm. because CDC is nationwide, and um, with the effects of drugs, like, you always overthink and you always second guess yourself. Mm -hmm. But the person that I am um, took the bigger picture, and I thought, hey, what am I doing with my life? I'm not doing anything right now, I'm not working. I'm living off EI. I just... I'm raising a dog. (laughs) Like, what else am I doing? So I said, fuck it. Like, let's do it. Like, why not? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then a month later, I debuted as Laytona.
0: You did. (laughs) And that was... You were... I mean, like, part of... A big part of my research for this episode was... Was uh, watching the interview and reading as much as I could from CBC's Now or Never program, Mm -hmm. where you debuted. And you were so... Candid, Like, Mm -hmm. you really gave them an in-depth look into your life, where it was, where you were hoping to go, and your past. Mm -hmm. Was that hard for you?
1: I don't think it was as hard as people would think. Just because I'm an open book. Mm -hmm. I am a candid person. I am very unapologetically myself. I necessarily think before I speak but not in a negative way like things just come naturally Mm -hmm. Um, but doing that with CBC with how I am as a person and how I communicate how I project and who I am uh, they they had to do the necessary thing which was to produce um, my story so that it gets to their audiences so some of the things that I said in that interview, um, it wasn't manufactured. It wasn't like fabricated, but it was manufactured. Just because like there's children in the audience, there's this, there's that. Mm-hmm. I tried to be as authentic as I could. Um, like at the live recording after my performance, they asked me, "So how do you feel now?" And I said, I just feel like I had great sex. (laughs) Because, like, honestly, I did. Uh, I had so much adrenaline pumping through my veins. I felt so good about myself. I felt like I had a pregnancy glow. (laughs) And that's the first thing that came into my head. Um, But because we have a nationwide audience, Mm -hmm. um, for that episode, we had to um, redo that. Yeah. I forgot what I said. I think I said something that you like, any, PR specialist would tell you to say.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But it was, it was very G-rated. Yeah, I was like, oh, I feel really great. Oh, I can't wait. I oh, I I said, I feel good. No, no, no,
0: no. You said I feel fine. Oh, so, yes. Yeah,
1: cause that was the first day that I was corseted, and like, it feels great because like it? when you're cinched. And your waist is as small as it can be. <laughs> you just you feel like that that hourglass figure. You're padded. Mm-hmm. You're you're a drag queen, like, and that's great. It's fine. It's sexy. It's
0: fabulous. Wow, you are so interesting and so amazing. You just passed by like a million different topics that I really want to unpack. But let's go from <laughs> let's go from let's go from front back. Okay. So being in drag. Yes. That feels good to you. It does. I feel like it's an extension
1: of my gender expression. Mm-hmm. Every day, Kevin Tan is just a stocky Filipino boy who likes to dress in neutrals, uh, who is quiet yet is loud. Mm-hmm. But as Laytona, it's an extension of my femininity. Because mm-hmm. in that um, interim between... Starting and now, I I thought I was gender queer, gender mm-hmm. fluid. I really wanted to explore my gender expression. So you know I was wearing some makeup and wearing heels and like looking butch, looking femme, and trying to find that in between. But I choose to separate it. So when I'm out of drag, I'm a boy. I like to wear jeans and a hoodie, yeah. like I am wearing right now. But when I'm Slaytana, I like to be thotty AF. Like,
0: yeah. <laughs> I like
1: to free the nipple. I don't even talk. And people can <laughs> see that. <laughs> I like to have that, like, very bitchy, ghetto, urban feel. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Cardi B or J-Lo from Jenny from the Block. Yeah. Um, many, many great female influences. Um come in my drag and every day I surprise myself because I'm very versatile. Yeah. Like I can do Broadway, I can do <laughs> that pop song, I can do uh, dirty, nitty gritty rap or a power ballad. Like those are my favorite things to do yeah. when I perform. Uh, so yeah, like whenever I go out and drag it, it's not necessarily like, yes, I may have a brand that's very sexualized, but it depends on how I
0: feel in mm-hmm. that moment and in that time that week, yeah. that weekend. Satana just really is, in my mind, just, like, that bitch.
1: Oh, thank you. That's what,
0: that's what I think of when I see Satana. You <laughs> you're really just, like, not in, like, the gay way. You just are fierce. You oh, know what I mean?
1: Thanks. Well, like, <laughs> when people are like, oh, my God, you're so sassy, I'm like, thanks. It comes with a gay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so the separation of, like, the masculinity and the femininity, what's kind of, like, the mentality behind that? Is it, is it what's easiest, or is it like the, the best way that you can possibly express both aspects of yourself?
1: I think um, the latter of what you just said. Mm-hmm. Because growing up, you know, you're always needing to choose between the blue and the pink. Yeah. The Barbie and the G.I. Joe. There's always a dichotomy, a binary. So. I think I'm using that to my advantage as much as people tend to see that in a negative way. I try to use that to my advantage because there's a time and a place for everything. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So it's like, like I said in my episode of Now or Never, it's like being a superhero. A superhero has their day job, Mm -hmm. very mundane, and then at night they put on this suit, they put on this mask, and then they're someone that not a lot of people know who they are. Mm And like I said, there's a time and place for everything and the daytime is just Mask Kevin and then nighttime is the Lady of the Night, Leitana de DeSludes. <laughs>
0: Her drank adventure started back in April. Well, I feel like we need some like reporter news
1: or something. <laughs> Her drag adventure started back in the April of 2017 on CBC's radio show, Now or Never's First ever live recording, where the theme was to reveal something about themselves. Since then, they've competed, and lost every pageant she's been in, performed around the city with the Sunshine Bunch, and proved time and time again that she is elegantly trashy.
0: She wishes all the contestants the best of luck, and it's excited to see who wins tonight. Give it up for her most imperial and sovereign grace, Imperial
1: Grand Duchess 19, the classy afterthought, Slaytana!
0: So I kinda wanna go back to your drug use, if that's alright. Yeah, of course. Love drugs. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you begin to know that that was too much? that you'd been too far?
1: I think it came to a point where every day seemed like a cloudy day. Every day it was harder to get out of bed unless I needed to have my rush and my hit Mm -hmm. of whatever drug I was using, I'm still using. But it came to a point where there's just nothing to live for anymore. Yeah, I had a dog. Yeah, I was taking care of something and someone, but I couldn't even take care of myself. So um, I just thought it'd be easier to just depart from this world. Because mm-hmm. not everybody's perfect. You have your good days. You have your bad days. Some are more good than others. Some are way, way bad than others. And all you want to do is give up. But there's just, there's this little fire inside of me that I always forget that's there that just all of a sudden ignites and sparks and either my heart starts racing or my perspective changes or it's thinking that I'm stupid, of thinking that. Um, Because as normally I'm, very to myself, I. it's hard for me to reach out to people, and I like to figure things out on my own, how I can do it for myself, because if I don't learn from it, then, then what's the point of doing whatever I did? But if I really need help, I do reach out, because There are, there's been numerous times, like even after the CBC episode, I thought it was going to be drug free. I thought I was going to get my life back together. But it's not together. It's still in the works. Um, It's still a battle between am I using it for coping? Am I using it for recreational use? What am I doing? So. I tend to just take a step back to pick up the pieces, to put the puzzle back together, and until I feel like more myself, whatever that may even mean, I take it on full force because I go from zero to hundred real quick, there's nothing in between. Mm -hmm. Um, It's either this or that, now or never, (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. see what I did there, I'm punny.
1: (laughs) or life or death (laughs) take it day by day I used to make five year plans ten year plans but even though you go on a path there's always going to be those side roads those tangents that can lead to a different route Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and where I'm at in life right now I'm (laughs) on highway 434 um road 313 (laughs) <laughs> at house b out of c i don't know where i am <laughs> i don't need a gps to let tell me where i am because no matter what the direction a chooses towards happiness and i just need to keep remembering that so how do you feel right now how i feel right now i feel a little bit baked <laughs> 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 wow, well, she came to her interview Hi, you're That's very <laughs> time. You're, you're not the first and you're not the last <laughs> And that's just okay Wow, I'm a conformist bitch, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> um, right now, I feel like I have some goals that I want to um, That I want to achieve To better myself as Kevin Tan mm. And I have some long term goals in mind for Slaytana as well Mm -hmm. so I'm pretty focused on that and I really hope I do achieve those goals because if I'm not working for something then I'm just at home watching anime and jerking off or having sex with random strangers and
0: never seeing them again like (laughs) typical gay guy (laughs) (laughs) oh my god Okay, you've also been pretty open about your mental illness do you think that that's tied in do you think that was a result of your drug use, or do you think that that was kind of like a separate component? I know this isn't mm-hmm. very drag related, but I still feel like it's yeah an important thing for people to know to understand well, where you
1: are. Yeah, well, it's a part of my it's part of my past. It's my history. It's and part of you. It's yeah. It's a part of me, and it's something that has led up to Saitana. So of course, um, it's something that has to do with drag. Um. I feel like I've just been super depressed, probably a chunk of my life. Mm-hmm. Have I done anything to work um, to get better with my depression? Yes and no yeah and like with the drug use I think when you use uppers especially like um, they amplify they amplify um, your thought process, your your libido, your sensations and feelings, appetite for dick or food or whatever. <laughs> in turn it really affected um how I viewed myself um outside looking in so when I was super negative and toxic uh to myself and to others I don't know it's just it's let's just say it was a big mess and
0: I'm still trying to clean it up and that's I think the thing about recovery from anything is that it's a process Mm -hmm. and there's no necessarily one fixed cure Mm -hmm. and I think that that's kind of something that's stigmatized by people who don't understand addiction, by people who don't understand mental illness is that you can't just be done with it and Mm -hmm. move on it's a lifelong thing that you have to continue to deal with Mm -hmm. in your life I'll forever be recovering Um, because,
1: yeah, like you said, there's no one cure for it. Um, Each and every time that I've lost myself or go through a bender, I take something from it. And yeah, I'm just tired of things not killing me, just making me so much stronger. (laughs) I just have
0: so much power right now. You are so strong. (laughs) (laughs) Power level, 9,000. (laughs) If you flex, the sleeves off of that sweet sweater are just going to rip right off. And I think that you're very inspiring. And there are three separate questions in here when I've asked you to talk about your relationship with people who are very close to you. Yeah. So there are lots of people in the scene that you are very closely connected to who love you very, very much. There's kind of like five in specific that I can think of that I mm-hmm. always kind of associate you with, and that's Purple Haze, So Lay Me Down, Rose Mortel, Isabel Silver, and Frida Loder. hmm Tell me a little bit, because I bu- are, all those relationships were formed after you started doing drag, right? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the relationships you've made after, after drag.
1: Yeah. So, I'm very good at separating um, my friendships. So with So Lay Me Down and Purple Haze, uh, we first met via the like that program at the Sunshine House. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. us three were were horrors of Lady Frances. Yeah. Our Drag Mom's Prairie Sky. We just we bonded over smoking weed <laughs> and liking the color purple. And not gonna lie, like me and purple did have sort of a rocky relationship in the beginning because we're two different people who've experienced a lot of the same things, and we approach and see things differently. Mm-hmm. We don't necessarily agree, um, but we can agree to disagree. And with Soleil, she's sort of like the... The mediator? Yeah, she's she, she tends to mediate. And before, we used to just go to my place and do a few bong rips and just walk around downtown. <laughs> Um, but nowadays when um, our living situations have changed and things like that we're making more of an effort to see each other either at Sunshine House or just being up behind the library and just smoking weed and just walking around downtown because I think we met each other at the right time and I think I could never see myself without them
0: Mm.
1: and they're my sisters I'll always have them, they'll always have my back, and I the same for them. So yeah, we just, we're inseparable, yet we can still be independent drag queens in the the community Mm -hmm. and still be sisters. Because before we thought we had to be together all the time, we had to have that, like, we're family, um, we gotta do this, we gotta do that. Mm-hmm. Um, we always argued whoever the Beyoncé was in our in our little <laughs> trio. It's me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, all I can say is that I love them, and they teach me so much of who I am, and they teach me things about Dre. they teach me things about life, they teach me different perspectives, and we're just like a random group of marginalized queers who do the same thing and want to collaborate together to make sure that our world is
0: a better and safe place for us. What about Rose and Isabelle and Frida? I'll leave Frida for last (laughs) (laughs) because yeah, like
1: with Isabelle and Rose, we met, we met through the scene when there is that renaissance and that boom of drag babies. Mm-hmm. you baby boomers gross <laughs> I'm kidding um and our relationship just like naturally gravitated towards each other and we like to spend time with each other we like to do do random things like go to parks like especially me <laughs> and Isabel we go to parks cruise for dick and yes. <laughs> Go to bathhouses and <laughs> 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 just be whores, like whatever. And me and Rose like to talk about scandals and um, help uplift each other and be a support system for one another. Mm. As for free to loader, <laughs> <laughs> what can I say about that bitch? <laughs> I can say a lot of things. Our relationship also started very naturally, very organically. I think all of these relationships that I've um, spoke about came at the right time. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and Frida, back mm-hmm. when she was Valletta Vexus, right? Like who is she? Valletta Vexus. Um, we competed in the Miss Gay Winnipeg pageant, what is now known to be the Mixed Queer Winnipeg pageant. Prairie won that. Yeah, <laughs> she won the first one. Didn't yeah, she? she won the first one. And then we both competed. Oh, before that, before the Miss Club Two Hundred pageant we both went to Toronto at the same time for Pride, and Mm -hmm. that's where our friendship really solidified. Because before that moment, we were just, it was just bartender and bar patron. Mm -hmm. We talked then, we didn't hang out, we only saw each other at the bar when she was working, and that was it. But after Toronto, like, hanging out, telling someone I liked their pedo stash to get free drinks, (laughs) I'm stumbling through Toronto doing blow in bathroom stalls and everything like (laughs) it was it was an amazing time and we really bonded and she's like a sister from another mister Mm -hmm. we're fister fister sisters (laughs) like not like literally like we don't fist each other it's just you know it's just like a joke (laughs) like yeah we're into fisting but not each other <laughs> um, and we competed in the Miss Club 200 pageant which of course we lost <laughs> to Satina <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, that was uh, when Satina won her year and we just we both took it as a grain of salt and we've grown from those experiences and then we became duchesses together for Reign 19 and I think that was probably, like, the, like, really the blossom of our f- friendship, even more so as sisters, because we did everything together. Yeah. Um, we created a brand together. We created an
0: image, and, like, we're just disgusting and gross, and I fucking <laughs> love it. <laughs> so yeah you two served as both as duchesses 19 the douche asses the douche asses what was what was that experience like being a duchess
1: my own personal experience i think it was it was hard work Mm -hmm. i did a lot just because with the international court system it's volunteer based Mm -hmm. so you have to have the passion and the drive and the means to manage your personal life and your extracurriculars so me wanting to have everything on my plate going from zero to hundred real quick. Um, I really burnt myself out. Mm. It really affected my mental health. Um, it really affected my creative juices and how I, how I view the court and how I want to change, change the court to be more inclusive and to be more welcoming. <laughs> Cause like I love being a part of the court, but it's not necessarily the most um outwardly inclusive when it comes to marginalized people people of color um and all that stuff because like you have your emperor and your empress and you have your monarchs and like it's 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 a colonized idea and concept right Mm -hmm. so um i really want to make a change in that and having more people of color included in the court because it's for charity so anyway, back to Frida being duchesses, we put on a lot of shows. Well, not a lot, but like we, we threw a few shows and it wasn't really, an or, it was like an organized mess because, you know, things were going on in our personal lives. But no matter what, I'm that person to be like, hey, we got to do something about this. Like, hey, so you're going to do this, you're going to do that, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. I really like managing and uh, telling people what to do. Mm-hmm. Like I say, I'm a boss <laughs> in the streets and a bitch in the sheets. So if things aren't getting done, like I'm going to get that shit done. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's something that me and Prairie also like connect on and why um, we have the relationship that we have because like we're very similar in that way and I admire her so much for that. So that's why I keep, I'm, I'm so driven and keep going Mm -hmm. Um, because she was that just before me. Mm -hmm. And I like to talk to people who have come before me, like asking about their experiences and how their experiences can help me shape my way mm-hmm. to create my own experience. So yeah, it was, it was fun. It was hard work. Um, there were a few breakdowns here and there, like emotional breakdowns, elevator breakdowns, yep. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was, it was a roller coaster and I, I'm i very proud of what I've done, and to be honest, before I got asked to be Duchess, I was thinking about killing myself again, because I was going to lose my apartment, I was going to lose everything, like everything that I've worked for, like I'm finally going to lose it, and I got that call, I was like, hey, do you want to be Duchess, and I said, sure. I didn't hesitate this time because I'm like, I'm not fucking doing anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is round two of <laughs> of Slaytana on drugs and losing themselves and almost physically losing themselves to suicide. So being a part of that reign totally saved my life. Again, drag saved my life a second time. So yeah, I'm very thankful for it. But there's a lot of work to be done. Mm-hmm. I think um, there are a lot of views that are just very traditional
0: before one time I saw that you tweeted that when you become empress Mm -hmm. you want to have an entirely person of color filled upper house Mm -hmm. because I mean obviously like we haven't we've never seen that in Winnipeg Mm -hmm. so there's a couple of things to unpack there first off Mm -hmm. you were talking about your goals is becoming empress one of your goals empress is becoming one of my
1: goals I really want to help the community. That's something that I've always um, been a part of, Mm -hmm. uh, even before drag. So, and my experiences as Duchess, like, I want to, I'm always striving for more and for better. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I do want to become Empress one day. Am I going to do, am I going to run next year? Probably not. Am I going to run the year after that? I don't know it just it has to feel in that moment and it has to feel right mm-hmm. and you asked for my upper house to be all queer people of color um, I'm not sure if I'm sure there's probably been houses that have like had like indigenous
0: absolutely yeah, just indigenous, not wholly yeah. not in Winnipeg at least Um, well, that like, I know of in living college memory
1: cause like there are still some people out there who are BIPOC but they're white passing mhm So, I want visibly BIPOC, unapologetically queer, and just, yeah, just a fierce upper house, because I really want to defeat the white system, and I really want to make my mark on that. Yeah. And it would be a hard fight, but no one likes to be called a racist, so... (laughs) (laughs) I gotta pull the race card if I have to. (laughs) Um... Yeah, one day, someday. um, I do want to become empress.
0: I just don't know when. So, in time. (laughs) And I think that's really, really important. I think that's a really great and important and long-awaited goal for Mm -hmm. someone in our community to have. I think that the majority of our listeners know why this is important already, but I'd I'd like to hear it from you if that's okay. Why Mm -hmm. do you believe that having that representation Mm -hmm. that... Visibly BIPOC representation Mm -hmm. in this colonial system. Mm -hmm. Why is it important for you? Representation is super important
1: um, Because in nowadays in the media all you see white cis white males Mm -hmm. and If you do see a person of color that's featured They're either a supporting role tokenized Mm -hmm. fetishized Stereotyped Mm -hmm. So, with that, I want to be the front runner, be the forefront and be the face and the voice of that, and just to stir up the pot a little bit, <laughs> right? Like the Stonewall riots were started because of a queer trans person of color.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And why can't why can't we have it in Winnipeg? So, I'm not going to start a riot, but maybe I'll start a political riot, maybe?
0: Absolutely. And I think that, like, I think that there's a fallacy saying that the majority of queens and kings in Winnipeg are white. I think that we have such an incredible community of BIPOC performers in our city. And I do not think it's an exaggeration at all to say that drag in our city, the way that we know it, was created by BIPOC queens. Mm -hmm. specifically indigenous queens Mm -hmm. i mean there was a legacy yeah probably about 10 20 years back that just completely changed the way that our our city Mm -hmm. works yeah and i think that that revolution needs to happen again and i think that you'd be a fantastic face for it
1: thank you i hope so (laughs) you're
0: welcome so you were talking a little bit about representation before yes this sort of sanitized idea of queerness, mm-hmm. This very white, this very cis, this very mask idea. Mm-hmm. As listeners know by now, you are extremely outspoken about sex. Yes. Why do you think talking openly about sex is important, especially for queer people?
1: I think it all depends on the individual. For me, I'm taking ownership of my body mm-hmm. and owning it because my body is not someone else's, it's mine. So instead of having that negative stigma of being a slut and being a whore is a bad thing, it's not. You're freeing yourself and you're taking your personal ownership to the next level of just pleasure, experience, joy, feeling good with someone else. yourself depending on how you identify sexually. Um, So I think that's it's important to come to terms with how you are as a sexual being because we are animals so an animal's mate they have their needs and their wants and why not explore it with one or two or ten people
0: (laughs) (laughs) or more. (laughs) Saitana if you could say anything to people who went through the same or who are going through the same sort of things that you did what would you tell them
1: if i were to give advice to people who don't know where they're going in life it's okay to take a step back it's okay to reach out for help from the people that you love because you never know when you're going to be gone You don't know if your life is going to end tomorrow, in an hour, in five years, in 10 years, 20 years. Don't take life for granted because you never know what you're going to miss. But just keep having fun because pain is only temporary. And
0: love yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Slaytana, thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. It was a (laughs) pleasure. Thank you so much to Slay for sitting down with me. Next up, we have a birthday boy. The longest twink in all of Winnipeg is also one of the most fascinating and multi-talented performers in the city, never afraid to blur the lines of gender, fashion, and foolishness. And he'll be stopping by on his birthday to chat. Here's a clip from his episode. My first drag performance look was a cat. Oh, right. So it was kind of hard to put a gender on that. And because I didn't get into drag wanting to become a glamorous woman, and I didn't get into it, wanting to have facial hair that I've never been able to grow. I just started doing it because I wanted to be creative and find a way to do it, and it's hard to put a gender on strapping things to your head and gluing things to your face and wearing sheets of fabric over your body. As always, thank you so much to Claire Boning of Veneer for the incredible intro and outro music, and until next episode, remember to always tip your local drag performers. Oh yeah.
1: Big pleasure, huh?